following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
George Atkins lived from 1793 until 1827. He wrote a beautiful hymn during his lifetime, Brethren, we have met to worship. I've listened to this hymn in solo format with orchestra, choir, In every way, it is beautiful, but I want to share with you the words today. I want you just to hear the words. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? All in vain, unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray, and holy manna will be showered all around. Brethren, see poor sinners round you, trembling on the brink of woe. Death is coming. Hell is moving. Can you bear to let them go? See our fathers, see our mothers, and our children sinking down. Brethren, pray, and holy manna will be showered all around. Sisters, will you join and help us? Moses' sister aided him. Will you help the trembling mourners who are struggling hard with sin? Tell them all about the Savior. Tell him that he will be found. Sisters, pray, and holy manna will be showered all around. Brethren, there are poor backsliders who were once near heaven's door, but they have betrayed the Savior and are worse than e'er before. Yet the Savior offers pardon if they will lament their wound. Brethren, pray, and holy manna will be showered all around. Is there a trembling jailer? seeking grace and filled with fears? Is there a weeping Mary pouring forth a flood of tears? Brethren, join your cries to help them. Sisters, let your prayers abound. Pray, oh pray, that holy manna may be scattered all around. Let us love our God supremely. Let us love each other too. Let us love and pray for sinners till our God makes all things new. Then he'll call us home to heaven. At his table we'll sit down. Christ will gird himself and serve us with sweet manna all around. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Let's pray. Lord, I come to pray. My heart is so broken with the sin that I see on every hand. I pray today that you will carry the load, that you will lift the load of sin from my brother and my sister, that you will feed us with the sweet and rich manna of your word. Lord, would you come today Would you deal with every cynical and angry heart? Would you deal with 
every empty and lonely heart? Would you deal with every guilty heart, every indifferent heart, every cynical heart? Lord, would you come by the power of your Spirit and deal today with the sin that so easily besets? Will you bring victory today to your people and set the captives free, healing the sick? Lord, I remember again Charles Blake desperately needing, or Burke, Charles Burke, desperately needing heart and brain healing. Or my brother Alex, who so desperately needs a heart. Lord, he has only 13% of his heart functioning. He's at the verge of death, and if you don't come and meet him, he will surely die. Lord, I pray for my dear brother Alex today. I pray for Joe, who is in the midst of trying to decide what to do with his business and with his life. He needs your direction. Lord, I pray for Leslie, who is so in love with you, Jesus, and so filled with your spirit and with your presence Lord, I could go on naming person after person. John and Mary, who are listening today to this broadcast, Mary's heart is so filled with fear and anxiety. Lord, you can carry the burden. I pray you will come and uncover today the truth of who you are. Lord, I pray for our producer, Kevin. I pray, Lord, your special blessing for him. Thank you for his faithful service. Lord, he's hidden away and nobody sees him. We just hear and and we have the wonderful results of his labor. Lord, I pray for my brother Ed, who does the technical work as a volunteer many hours every week. He edits sermons and prepares them for broadcast. And Lord, I remember my precious wife, Alexandra today, who is at another appointment. I pray, Lord, your sweet blessing upon her and thank you for bringing her into my life. What a gift she is to me and to this ministry and to our radio listeners. Lord, would you encourage Alexandra as she seeks after you with all of her heart? Lord, I pray for David and Catherine, for Michael. Lord, I pray for James. I pray for Christian. Lord, I pray for Leslie. I pray for Lisa. Lord, the the list just goes on. But Lord, you hear my heart. Would you spread the manna all around? And would you feed us today? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Colossians, the third chapter, verse 1. Since then you have been raised up with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Is that true of you today? Is your life hidden with Christ in God without sin? Without sin. Walking clean, walking righteous. Now, I shared with you yesterday, Psalm 23, where the Lord says to David, I'm going to fill your cup. He says, my cup runneth over. Well, what's the only thing that can prevent your cup from running over? What's the only thing that can cause you to be caught in despair and discouragement? What's the only thing, only one thing that can cause your heart to be filled with fear and anxiety? And that is sin in one of its many forms. You see, Jesus does not come and fill dirty cups. Your heart is a cup before the Lord. Anything that springs from self, however small it may be, is sin. See, there is, there is self and there is spirit. And we are called to utterly let self die, do what is right, and walk in the spirit of the living God in victory. Set free of every sin, set free of every fear, every anxiety. Self-energy or self-complacency is sin. Self-pity in trials or difficulties, self-seeking in business or Christian work, self-indulgence in one's spare time, sensitivity, to every word that's spoken to you, touchiness, resentment, self-defense when we're hurt or injured, self-consciousness, being reserved and cold and hard, worry and fear, they all spring from the self. They're all sin, and they all make that cup unclean, and we lose the peace of God in our hearts. Stay with me. I'm going to talk about how to get that cup clean. It's not a hard process. It's not an impossible process. Jesus is more than willing to clean that cup. All of these things that I've identified were put into another cup. And the Lord Jesus shrank from drinking it at Gethsemane. But he did drink it all the way, the dregs at Calvary, the cup of my sin and your sin. And if we will allow him to show us what is in our cups and then give it to him, he will cleanse our cups. He will cleanse with the blood that still flows for sin. The day of pardon is still open for you. The day of redemption is still there for you. Now, that doesn't mean just cleansing from the guilt of sin, nor even from the stains of sin, although, thank God, both of those are cleansed. But the blood of Jesus cleanses us 
from sin itself. Whatever it is, the blood of Jesus removes the stain, removes the guilt, and removes the sin. He cleans our cup, and he fills our cups to overflowing with his Holy Spirit, with joy, with peace, with trust. And we're able to daily avail ourselves of that precious blood. It is there for you right now. Let's say you have confessed every known sin before Jesus. You have renounced it. You have trusted him to do what the word says he will do. And then you suddenly feel that old envy rising up in your heart or that anger or that that fear, that bitterness. Well, what happens? Well, your heart is dirty again. And if we're constantly being defeated in this way, our cup of joy, of love, of happiness, of peace, it'll never overflow. I want in my life continuous revival. That means I have to learn how, and I am learning how to keep my cup completely clean. It's never God's will that a revival should stop. I've shared stories of the Welsh revival, of the revival here in this country, the revival in Argentina. And in every place in history, as revivals have stopped flowing, it is due to only one thing. It is due to sin. Just those little sins that the devil will drop into our hearts. And we have to learn how to quickly go back to Calvary and learn afresh the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse us moment by moment from the beginning temptation to sin. We must learn how to utterly give it up to Jesus. Now, let me be very specific. My rent was due today in the house in which I live. I'm not on salary. And so I have no fixed income. And recently things have been extremely difficult for the last year. And part of what the Lord said to me is, wait upon the Lord and the Lord will carry you. Now for a year without my asking anyone for anything, simply trusting in the name of Jesus. Every month, by his miracle power, I have had the money for the rent. And so today, I, before I came to this broadcast, I paid for the rent for the month of December. Now, how did I do that? 
Well, many mornings I have awakened and my heart has been gripped with fear. How can I pay the rent? We're going to have to sell all the furniture. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do that. I can't pay the rent. And as I've struggled in the early hours of the morning, 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, my answer has been to get up, put on my bathrobe, and go into my prayer closet. And there lay before the Lord my unbelief and repent of that unbelief and ask Jesus to utterly remove that unbelief from my heart. To ask him to remove by his blood and I have released it to him. And finally, the fear lifts The anxiety is gone, and I can begin to praise him, knowing that he will do what he has promised he would do. And every month, he has done what he promised he would do. And so I have a testimony in my life of Jesus constantly providing what he said he would provide. Now, where does it come from? the hand of the Lord. I trust him. I cannot afford to walk in unbelief. I cannot afford to walk in fear or anxiety because if I do, it paralyzes me. And I cannot afford to be paralyzed and it is sin. Fear is to be imperfect in love. To fear And to be filled with anxiety is sin against Almighty God. And I don't have to walk in it. I simply have to bring it to Jesus and pray until the Holy Spirit comes and lifts that fear from my heart. And he's doing that. Now, every month will I have that victory? Yes, I will. By faith in Jesus, of course I will. Because he's faithful to do what he says he will do. And so I go to the scriptures. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is, seek to be under the authority of God in every respect. And as I am under the authority of God in every respect, He said, everything else will be given to you. That's not just a promise for me. That's a promise for you as well. But it means you first seek the kingdom of God. You seek to do the will of God. You seek to do what the commission, the great commission said we were to do, to proclaim the gospel to others, to testify that Jesus is who he says he is, to invite sinners to become saints by the power of the blood of Jesus. As we walk out that commission, the provision is granted to us. And so he's put a great concern in my heart for the poor. Often when the money has not even yet come for the rent, the Lord will say, take this money and give it to this person. 
they're poor. And I said, but Lord, I'm poor too. I don't have them. You have my promise. Yes, I do. And I obey him and I do what he tells me to do. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Sin is the only thing that can cause your heart to be filled with anxiety and fear because that is sin. Unbelief, lack of trust. It makes a person sick. It'll destroy your health. Lying, cheating, stealing, committing adultery, lustful, wicked thoughts angry, bitter thoughts. All of these are sin. There is external sin in the body, but there is also internal sin. All sin is cleansed by the blood of Jesus. All sin is removed by the blood of Jesus. Now, could I take just a minute and digress? I have only one cry in my heart. And that is that I could know and obey Jesus Christ. That's all I want. I want to know and obey my Lord Jesus. I want to be filled with his spirit, the spirit of power, of boldness, to testify that he is the Christ. For he died for my sins. And I fear more than anything in a righteous fear, I fear more than anything else that I would sin against him. I don't want to sin against Jesus. I love him too much. And I love him because he first loved me. And this morning, in the early hours of this morning, as I went to the prayer closet, I was reviewing in my mind, in my heart, many of the mistakes that I have made through the years. Foolish, foolish decisions. Decisions that were not of the Spirit, but were of the flesh. And I again did what I have done in the past. I just lifted them to Jesus, and I said, Lord, I've been a foolish man. Have mercy upon me, O God. Like you did that publican who stood and said, O God, I'm a sinner. I've simply lifted them up to Jesus and I've known his forgiveness. I've known his wiping away every sin in my heart and my life and being at total peace with Jesus. My greatest desire is that I should walk every day in complete peace with Jesus. I want that continuous revival. It is never God's will to withdraw from us. It is only sin that can make the Holy Spirit withdraw. The very secret of fellowship with God is to open our hearts to him, to hide nothing, and trust him to do the cleansing work 
the changing work. The more you trust the blood of Jesus, the less you will have of the reactions of fear, anger, bitterness. Cleansing is the only possible way. And the only way you can be cleansed is to be totally broken before God on the point being concerned. In other words, if unbelief is the issue, you've got to confess that unbelief and be utterly broken on that and give up your pride and trust him. We must be broken and humbled before our God. That is, we must yield to God over the whole question, whatever it is. Trust ourselves in Jesus' hands. And then Jesus comes with his blood. He not only cleanses away our sin, but he heals us. He restores us. And then we're not to keep mourning over that sin. In other words, we're not to be occupied by ourselves. So sometimes I'll go through all of these things that are in my past, and I've put them under the blood, and I've looked at them again to say to Jesus, Thank you, Jesus, you've washed me, you've made me clean. I rejoice in your mercy to me. I go about this morning singing that wonderful old song, Grace, Grace, God's Grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. That's the song of my heart. I look to my victorious Lord, and I praise him that he is still victorious in my life so that I no longer have to be self-occupied. I can focus instead my attention on helping other men and women, boys and girls, to come to know this Jesus. Now, there is one simple, all-inclusive guide that the Word of God gives to us to regulate our walk with Jesus so that we can know when any sin tries to break into our hearts, Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15. Let me read it for you from the NIV. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So everything that disturbs the peace of God in your heart comes from sin. No matter how small it is, no matter how little like sin it may appear to us, in Jesus Christ, in his blood, in the Father, as you remember, I began reading for you out of the third chapter of Colossians today. When we are in Christ and trouble begins to come into our heart, it's like a referee throwing a flag in a game. Stop. What is this thing that's disturbing the peace of my heart? When we lose our peace, God moves by a spirit in our heart and blows the whistle on us and says, stop, 
and ask the Lord to show you what's wrong. Put by faith the sin he shows you under the precious blood of Jesus, and your peace will be restored, and we can go on our way with our cups full and running over. If, however, God does not give us peace, it will be because you've been unwilling to be broken before him, and you've been unwilling to submit to his will. Perhaps we've refused to apologize to someone or confess a sin to somebody. You may have said something that you should not have said. Maybe you even feel like it's the other person's fault. But you've lost your peace. Well, if you've lost your peace, whose fault is it? If recriminations arise in your heart and bitterness flows out of your spirit, whose sin is it? We do not lose our peace with God over another person's sin. It's only with our own sin that we lose the peace of God. God wants to show you your reactions to people and events and situations. And he wants you to submit to him. He wants to give you his peace. This is a very simple but searching thing that we be ruled by the peace of God. The Holy Spirit is not the selfish spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. We cannot walk in sin without the referee blowing his whistle on us. Grumbling, bossiness, carelessness, down to the smallest thing, are all revealed as sins when we're prepared to let our days be ruled by the peace of God. Many times a day and over the smallest things, we shall have to avail ourselves of this spiritual cleansing, the blood of Jesus. And if you'll do this, you will begin to experience real brokenness before God. Many However, perhaps you have refused to hear this referee's whistle. You've refused to listen to your conscience. You've refused to listen to the Holy Spirit as he's tried to call you down. And you've been refusing to listen for so long that you don't hear the Holy Spirit anymore. And so days follow days and you feel you have little need of cleansing and no occasion of being broken. In that condition, we're usually in a worse state than we can even begin to imagine. We can be very religious, but have no spiritual depth. Acting out of the flesh in religion, there is nothing uglier than a man or woman acting in the flesh and calling it religion. You will need to have restored to you a great hunger for intimacy with God. You're going to have to go to the scriptures and read them. You're going to have to turn the television off. Why do I say that? Because you can't watch the television. You can't pursue the the football. You can't pursue the things of this world and have a sensitive spirit 
so that you know when you've lost your peace. You're going to have to be willing to cry out to God to show you where the blood of Jesus needs to be applied in your life. And he'll begin to show you just one thing, perhaps at a time. And then the question is, will you submit to God over that issue? One dear lady, she knows that it's wrong for her to work at the distillery. But she's having a hard time making that decision because the distillery pays her very well and she needs money. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you. See, it's not really money that we need. It's Jesus that we need. It's Jesus who gives us the jobs, the ability to make money. It's Jesus who provides for us. We may not think so. We may think it's our own scrambling and grabbing. Oh, we can do that in the flesh. But we grieve the Holy Spirit. And then anxiety sets in and fear sets in. And how am I going to pay for this? And how am I going to do that? Come to Jesus. Lay everything down. He loves you. He died for you. He wants you to come and live in him. He wants you to come and dwell in him. He loves you. It's not his will that you be under constant stress and pressure. It's not his will that your life be eaten away by fear and anger and bitterness. That's not what he has for you. He loves you. And he wants to remove all the sin from your heart. He wants to wash you and make you clean. Now, I hear some people, some pastors and some churches that say, oh, you can never stop sinning. Oh, really? That means the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough to cleanse you from all sin. Do you really want to believe that about the blood of Jesus? Do you want to discount the blood of Jesus? Or would you rather come up to higher ground? Would you rather... Lay aside all of those things of darkness. Do those pleasures of darkness mean that much to you? Some of you, you haven't won anybody to Jesus in years, and you've made excuses, and you've said it's because I don't have those gifts, I don't have those skills. You're lying to yourself. We don't win people to Jesus with skills and talents. A man or woman is won to Jesus by the love that flows from our hearts for them and the sacrifices we make for them. A person is brought deeper into Jesus by somebody loving them. But if you stay in your tight little church circle, who are you loving? And you all then get together for your cigar night. You guys get together and gamble, play cards, 
laugh and joke, live like the world, act like the world, but claim you're a Christian? That's not a joyful life to me. It's not a pure and clean life to me. See, when man fell and chose to make himself rather than God the center of his life, the effect was not only to put man out of fellowship with God, but also out of fellowship with his fellow man. The story of man's first quarrel with God in the third chapter of Genesis is closely followed in the fourth chapter by the story of man's fight with his fellow man, Cain's murder of Abel. The fall is simple. We have turned everyone to his own way. Isaiah 53, 6. If I want my own way rather than God's, it is quite obvious that I shall want my own way rather than the other man's way. A man does not assert his independence of God to surrender it to a fellow man if he can help it. But a world in which each man wants his own way cannot but be a world filled with tensions, barriers, suspicions, misunderstandings, clashes, conflicts, and violence. The work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross was not only to bring man back into fellowship with his Father, but also into fellowship with his fellow men and women. Indeed, it cannot do one without the other. As the spokes get near the center of the wheel, they get nearer to one another. But if we have not been brought into vital fellowship with our brother, it is a proof that to that extent we have not been brought into vital fellowship with God. The first epistle of John insists on testing the depth and reality of a man's fellowship with God by the depth and reality of his fellowship with his brothers. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his amazing book, Life Together, the story of the underground seminary in Germany during the war years before he was executed, he says, if you really want to know how you're doing with God, look at how you're doing with the people around you. Some of us have come to see how utterly connected a man's relationship to his fellow man is with his relationship to God. Everything that comes as a barrier between us and another, be it ever so small, comes as a barrier between us and God. We found that these barriers are not put up right immediately. They get thicker and thicker and heavier and heavier until our brother is utterly shut out. Now, I want to say very simply, there are some times when a brother or sister will shut us out. And there's nothing that we can do or say. They are angry at who we are and what we have done. There is no forgiveness. There is no conversation. There is just judgment. That does not mean you are not close to Jesus. As long as the judgment is not on your side, as long as the bitterness is not on your side, as long as you've done everything you can to make right, 
anything that you have done wrong, then you are going to have men and women who will hate you because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. But make certain that it is not of your sin, but of their sin. And then pray for them. Pray the peace of God for them. Pray the conviction of sin for them. We were told to pray for our enemies. Well, who are our enemies? Those who would utterly disdain us, who would cut us off who would say vile and wicked things against us, those who would lie about us, who would make accusations and insinuations that are false. But don't let your heart be embittered by these things. Don't let your heart be destroyed by these things, but trust in Jesus. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. The life of Christ will dwell in you if you do not carry any of the offenses toward your brother or sister in your heart. Now, there are people who through the years have become very angry with me and who have cut me off and made all kinds of accusations that were false. I cannot afford to be bitter with them I forgive them. I can only do what the Holy Spirit has called me to do, and that is to trust him. To know that he is the Lord. I'm not the Lord. He is the Lord. And so my responsibility is to walk in peace with all men so far as they will allow that to take place. And if they cut me off and curse me, and make false accusations against me. I am not to return those false accusations or that bitterness or that hardness. But instead, I'm to walk in the peace of God. Obviously, if we allow the new life of Jesus to flow in our hearts with peace, it will manifest itself in every way as oneness with those who walk like I walk, with nothing between my heart and Jesus' heart. And that's the sweet fellowship that is meant for us in the church. The church is the one place where there is to be absolute sweet fellowship because no one in the church is to be filled with the world, the flesh, and the devil Now, I know that's not true. I'm saying it should be that way, but it's not. I've been more hurt through the years by church people than by pagans by far. Bitten and stomped, cursed by so-called church people. By family. It's okay. I forgive. I love I walk straight ahead and do what the Holy Spirit has called me to do. So on what basis can we have real fellowship with God and our brother? Well, 1 John 1, 7 has come this way. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
What is meant by light and darkness is that light reveals and darkness hides. When anything reproves us, shows us up for something we really are, that is light. And whatsoever doesn't doesn't make manifest the light, that's Ephesians 5.13, whatever doesn't bring forth this light is not of God. But whatever we do, anything we say or anything that we don't say, to hide what we are or what we've done, that is darkness. So the way we walk with one another is to be transparent with each other without judgments, without accusations, without grudges, without holding something against somebody. Never will a Christian say, I'm not going to talk to them because they won't apologize to me. What? No one needs to apologize to me. I'm not worthy of an apology. I just want them to get to Jesus. I just want them to find Jesus. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. The first effect of sin in a person's life is to make us try to hide who we are and what we are. Sin made Adam and Eve hide behind the trees of the garden. It has the same effect on everyone ever since. Sin always involves us in being unreal, pretending, make-believe, window-dressing, excusing ourselves, blaming others. And We can do that as much by our silence as we can by saying or doing anything. This is what this verse, walking in darkness, means. With some of us, the sin in question may be nothing more than self-consciousness focused on ourselves, hiding ourselves. We're called to follow a God of light, the all-revealing one, the God who shows up every man for what he really is, In Jesus is no darkness at all. There's nothing in God which can be of the tiniest bit of darkness or hiding. So today I want to ask you, are you walking in peace with all men? Is your heart filled with the peace of God? Or are you focused on yourself and your fear and your anxiety and your your anger and your bitterness? Are you willing to just totally submit today to Jesus and say, Lord, take over my life. I belong to you. I want to walk in the fullness of all that you have for me. I don't want to walk in any sin. I hate sin. I love righteousness. Lord, would you do that today? Almighty God, I come and I bring my brothers and sisters before your throne. And I ask, O Lord, that you would move with power in their hearts, that you would release them from every captivity, that you would set the prisoner free. I bind every spirit of darkness. I bind every spirit of wickedness that would come against my brother and my sister. 
Lord, bring us out into the light and into fellowship with you and with each other, Jesus. Restore the broken places. Heal the broken relationships. Set us free, Jesus, by your precious blood. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you, and you're welcome to come and worship with the prayer chapel if you'd like to grow in Jesus. If you'd like to deal with these issues that I'm speaking about, then come. Call me at 703-489-1785. That's 703-489-1785. Or write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Go to our webpage. All the information is there. It's just nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I want you to be free in him. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.